Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Busy week, Andrew. Very busy week. Busy pot ahead. Aren't they all? Very busy pod, indeed, because this is a dual-purpose pod. Uh, we have UEFA Champions League, of course, that we will go through. Fascinating week. really was. It really was. Uh, so we have that, of course. That's how we'll start the show. But then in the latter half of the show, uh, we will give due justice and due amounts of time to the start of MLS. We have our big MLS season preview, 10 big questions, a big MLS-specific mailbag. Um, so I look forward to... Uh, educating people people when when mls disappears i feel like a lot of our audience there's like an out of sight out of mind thing oh yeah they stop paying attention but we don't and so this is kind of the moment for all of you if you want to be able to speak intelligently about these things we're going to educate you in the second half of the show it's important that you listen i've been ensconced in the heart of u.s soccer this week more of which anon i've been mixing with the great and the good the who's who of who matters in U.S. soccer were in my orbit. Somehow you got an invite to the U.S. soccer gala. I don't know. The New York soccer gala. Oh, okay. The New York soccer gala. Yeah, but we should save that. For when? For, do you want to talk about it now? I don't care. Yeah. I, uh, I was chatting, I was in the elevator with, uh, Triple G, Greg Berhalter, (laughs) introduced myself, did the usual, uh, the usual, you've never met me before, but. I thought you told me you were in a lift with him. Uh, yeah, the lift, the elevator. Isn't that what that's called? Uh, this whole time I thought, a, to me, a lift is like an Uber. No. What, what? Well, I'm sorry that for thinking that an elevator is an elevator. Oh, right, okay. In your text message to me, you said, I just took a lift. Or I just took, maybe you said the or uh, I don't know. But either way, I thought you meant you, you got in a no, lift I was at I said, New- how would that have happened? No, I was in, in an elevator with him at the New York Athletic Club. And Once in a while, these things pop up. He's he's in great shape, by the way. He could still play. There's no yeah. question. Yeah. Um, met Chris Armas, uh, Sunil Galati, Bob Lee was honoured. Um, Rocco Camiso, the owner of Fiorentina. I went up to Rocco. I said, Rocco, I said, uh, hi, my name is uh, JJ Devaney. I, I have a podcast on ESPN. It's the number one po- football podcast on ESPN. And he goes, oh, great. And then he goes, I told him how I've kind of been following Fiorentina, bought a Fiorentina jersey since he bought the club. He goes, ESPN, we give them hundreds of millions, hundreds of millions. And he, he, he does that gesture and he, and he laughs and he hits me on the shoulder. And I'm like, what do I say? And I go, well, you could throw some of that our way. And he laughs again. And on we go. And well, I had a picture with him as well. Um, spoke to Greg Berhalter, who, who said he wants to, he, he'd be happy to come on the podcast. Okay. He, he did. I don't. Right. I, I I'm of the belief that actions speak louder than words. Right. But that's great. Well, you you're in the you know I, I spent 25 minutes talking to Howard Webb. What a what a really nice guy. Yeah. And um, Howard wants to come on the podcast too. So now we have to have both of them on the podcast. Wow. What an, an incredibly eventful night it was for you. It was great. Yeah. I mean, all football people. It's incredible. This this is a yearly event. I think the fact that Bob and oh Bruce Arena honored as well. Chatted to Bruce. Told him, uh, I said, uh, you, you joined us to promote your book? Yeah. Completely forgotten. Didn't know who I, I was. I mean, he was part of a book tour where he probably did hundreds of those. We mean nothing to him. Yeah. People still haven't let us up for even having him on the show. Remember how <laughs> angry people were that we even gave him airtime? People would have been super angry if they were there on Tuesday night when not a mention was given. 
to what happened. The unpleasantness in Trinidad and Tobago. Not a I mention. I saw somebody, I forget who, but somebody sent us a direct message where they said that uh, they started listening to our podcast in 2017 and then they were like, you know, right before the incident. Yeah. Like people won't even talk about what happened that night in Trinidad. No. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's do this now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So I have here on my professionally orchestrated rundown in front of me uh, the order in which the games occurred, but I, I think I want to deviate from that and go, oh, with I think the, so. and go with the game that is probably um, on most people's minds, and that was what happened yesterday in Madrid, where Manchester City in the second half came from a goal down to defeat Real Madrid 2-1, to one, um, eventful for a couple reasons. One, I think on the heels of what's happened to Manchester City, uh, specifically with regards to this competition. Uh, I think it it added a little bit something to that result. I think Manchester City fans, and I understand this as a, a diehard fan of a of a different team myself, but I understand how fans can be. Um, we get backed into a corner, uh, our claws come out, we get defensive, we get angry, we get dismissive. So Manchester City fans chose to take the tact of, oh, you're banning us from the Champions League? Well, we could care less about your Champions League, so go on and take it. We don't care. But More I, interested in the league, actually. But I think that they were uh, quickly reminded yesterday just how much they do actually care about this competition. Yeah, and and can I can I be honest? I'm I'm di- a bit disappointed with you for framing this game within the. Oh, I mean, most journalists are putting it within the framework of the ban, so you're not alone. But I'm disappointed. Okay. Because I think if we're going to be fair in this podcast, let's talk about the game. I have no interest in being fair. <laughs> I thought City were magnificent. I think this is the biggest night in their history. Um, certainly, easy. Since, certainly, well, okay. In their recent, since they've been uh, elevated uh, again uh, by the means that we know of <laughs> to this this rarefied era of the Champions League. Since they've been elevated to that point, I think this is their biggest night. Um, I, I've heard, not to cut you off. I've heard that. I've seen. Um, headlines say, uh, stating that this is like the biggest win in Manchester City mm. history. Uh, I do caution people and remind them that there is a second leg of which Man- uh, of which Real Madrid I know, I know, trail by just one. Again, goal. let's just talk about the context of the night, the, the trip to the Bernabeu, um, what that entails for a club like Manchester City. Don't forget at the was it the semi final stage in 2016 or 2017, City lost out to Real Madrid. Um, to a Zidane manager Real Madrid over two legs, mm. and and we've we've always talked about City haven't arrived until they have these moments in the Champions League until they can show us that they can win this competition. Now there may be a little bit of it that suggests the Emperor has no clothes and that Zidane's Mark II are not Zidane's Real Madrid Mark II are not where his his previous iterations of the club were. That's as may be. But what I would like to say was, what I saw was a, a coach that we I constantly talk in this podcast about pet bot pet bot three pet bot three thousand, where when something goes wrong, everything goes wrong, and they they we've seen it against Liverpool and other teams where where City can break down, and he played two different formations. He started with Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva as the most advanced midfielders, as as almost like a striking pair. And Gabriel Jesus, their most potent striker, out on the left. Mm-hmm. And limited, two, almost like two banks of four. 
Now, he said it was a diamond. I think that's probably closer to it. But they, they, you know, they limited Real Madrid. Madrid had the, and the opening salvo was good possession by Real Madrid. And as Pep alluded to in this post-match, once City settled in, they were okay. But they did concede. It was nil-nil at halftime. They did concede that first goal through a mistake of their own. First of all, they lost the ball in the middle of the park. Modric won it back. And then Kyle Walker, what's he doing? Like, his feet get all tangled up. And it's in the back of the net. And for the five to six minutes, or whatever period of time it was after that, they looked shell-shocked. They did for a while, and I thought this could get away from them. But no, it was the genius Kevin De Bruyne. That cross to Gabriel Jesus is... It's underrated. The weight of it. It's perfect. And I know there was hands on on Sergio Ramos's back to an extent... Not enough in my view. I think he's caught himself under the flight of the ball. Anyway, or rather the ball has caught him out. It's so good. And a brilliant header into the far corner. And then you see Sterling run, running at... Um, Carvajal. Carvajal, yeah. And it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible tackle. But City convert. And I, I thought they were great. I really thought they were great. And the Benzema header aside in the first half... I mean, did did Real really, to, for them being at home, no. did they really trouble City that much? No. No, no I really don't think I think Pep did. got it right. Uh, f- he did move when they went 1-0 um, down, or maybe even before that, he did move Jesus more centrally, which I don't think is an admission that he's made a mistake. I just think he, he realised we need to get a goal now. And they did, and they, they, they come back to Manchester with two away goals. I thought they were great. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at kind of like the heat maps of where Manchester City players were positioned throughout the course of the game. Right. No one, on average, was positioned further up the field than Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, And you just wonder, in doing that, in moving Jesus around, just how confused the Real Madrid defense was, seeing these players playing in positions where whatever scouting goes on before the game, I'm sure they're not expecting that. No. Uh, And... I think like the results are what they are. You have to look at it and say that Pep, this was you know one of those Pep strokes of genius. I thought it was really interesting that when they did break in the first half in one possession, it was De Bruyne at the fulcrum of the break. And you're like, is that what you want? And then you think about it. Well, he's the one most likely to release either Sterling or Jesus with a, with a prescient, with a good pass. Yeah. So... I think I think you've got to to um, to tip your cap to Pep on this one, and um, Graham Hunter wrote a great article prior to the game, Andrew, where he talked about Zidane having visited Pep when he was at Munich as part of a French Federation delegation to look at this guy's methods in terms of coaching and to watch sessions. And uh, Zidane said he took so much from that. Zidane went on then to win three Champions Leagues, and if you want to count the one where he was assistant to Carlo Ancelotti, he had four. He has twice the Champions Leagues that Pep has. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the lineup that Pep went out with, no Sergio Aguero, no Sterling, which we kind of knew because he's coming off the injury, but he was still good enough to give him valuable minutes at the end where he drew right. the penalty. No Fernandinho, who we always talk about being so important. Uh, no David Silva. An injury in-game that had to be managed. First half injury to Amrick Laporte, who Pep... You know, it's funny how a tune can change um, like as the wind blows. Pep uh, talked about the Laporte injury after the game. He said, you know, and he's still, I'm sure, riding this wave of enthusiasm after coming up with this huge win. He says, with John Stones, with uh, Otamendi, with Eric Garcia, Fernandinho, we can get through. That's I mean, That feels like a far different tune than what was being sung around that club a couple months ago. Winning does change perceptions so much and does change attitudes. And it gives you, don't forget, that was said 
in the press conference 20 minutes after the end of the game. Right. So there's that little little bump. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's, you know, there's a there's a skip in your step, especially for him who, you know, Real Madrid, in his, certainly in his early playing career, was not a place he liked to visit as a player. He would have bad memories of the burnabout. So, and we don't know yet how serious the injury is, although I would question whether or not they can, in fact, I, I guess it depends what your definition of when Pep says we can get through. Uh, well, what's he getting through? He's not fighting on any front other than the Champions League. Right. Uh, well, the FA Cup. And, and they have a cup final this weekend also um, against Aston Villa. That's correct. Um, yeah, I don't know that they can, but I guess you know that may be a conversation for another day. But you like, are, this is, but, like, we, I don't know. I don't want to throw cold water on what City did, but like, I, I just, I do feel like it, it is the round of 16. Like, it does feel like there's this little bit of a moment we're having here where we're anointing them. And look, they are one of the favorites. I know, to no one's anointing them, but it's just. You know, a Manchester City There's team. There's a lot of work left to be done, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Both you, you, in this tie and should they advance. Fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, we should mention for Real Madrid, this comes at a bad time for them. Things have gone poorly uh, in both La Liga and now that has... Sometimes we don't see a, a transfer of that over to what happens in European play, but that was a little bit of the case tonight. Uh, I'd be really disappointed right now in um, Real Madrid defending on a, for a couple reasons, I guess. Um you know, we talked about their relative confusion over Manchester City's setup. Sergio Ramos picking up a yet another red card. I believe it's his fourth mm. Champions League red card, the 26th red card of his career. That is. Um, say what you want about him. He'll be missed <laughs> heading back into the second leg in Manchester. He will certainly be missed. And then, you know, we, we talked briefly about Sterling drawing the penalty. One of my other soccering pet peeves are... Guys who go to ground in the box when I don't think it's fully necessary that they do that. And look, they are really opening themselves up. Look at the up. flight of that ball. When he turns, look how far ahead the ball is. Now, he does stumble, so we never know if he's going to make it. But why? Just keep running who, alongside who is, him. Who isn't coaching now that you go to ground in the box anymore? I don't know. Why don't you just jockey? Yeah. It's the best you can do. Maybe the cross gets cut out. Maybe Courtois gets to it. Maybe it doesn't make the player, but there's... I think too many players, and I'm not saying that it's an underhanded tactic. It's kind of part of the game now. I think when a player goes to ground, there's just too many players that are too good at ensuring they embrace that contact when they see a body sliding in front of them. You, you say that, but all you got to do is, is just nick it. Just just touch it. That's yeah. all you have to do. And if, if that, if that uh, defender goes to ground, Andrew... Yeah, that's it. Penalty. And, and, was... and De Bruyne is not missing it. No, although Manchester City, like he hadn't taken one for City since 2016. Yeah, but Manchester City had missed their last four want, penalties ne- before this, right? Because and I think it's time that he just do this. <laughs> you might, you might have a yeah the, at the weekend against Leicester. Uh, all right, Aguero's gone down the center on that one. It's still not a great penalty. It's at a nice height for for Schmeichel. Maybe you just leave it to KDB. Yeah, like no, no offense to Aguero, Jesus, anybody, but like, who's not trusting De Bruyne to handle that? Like, nothing phases this guy. Uh, you feel good about City in the second leg? I really do. I definitely do. I think. Uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful to Madrid, but I do. I look at the respective midfields. I look at at the way that um, Pep found found a way to get get round whatever they could throw at them. Uh, two away goals. I'm confident. I'm more curious about the second leg of that than any other game from this round. Just because Pep made a comment afterwards, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, we don't approach any game uh, without like the desire to attack. Right. And I'm just, if Laporte isn't ready, isn't able to go in that game, so we know that they will have a wounded defense, and we've seen what that can mean for them, um, 
I'm curious if he will maintain that posture going into a second leg like that. I'm curious as to what Zidane will do knowing that he's chasing now. And it's going to be a fun game. I, I, it could be. It has all the makings to be a really fun game. Uh, let's see. Let's go back now, JJ, to Tuesday's results. And let's go to London, where Chelsea were blanked by Bayern Munich 3-0. Um, boy, Serge Gnabry has enjoyed playing in London this season. I think I saw he has more goals in London uh, this year, Gnabry does, of Bayern Munich, than Alexander Lacazette, who plays for a London-based club. It's incredible. He has torched White Hart Lane and now he's torched the bridge you know some of those games where it's just a mismatch and one team is just markedly better than the other and no amount of analysis is going to get you away from that core point that's it Um, I was reading the match report in the Guardian and uh, it played out exactly as I watched the game and this this is the sentence that summed it up for me. Kimmich and Alicantra controlled midfield. Kingsley Coleman and Gnabry tormented Chelsea on the flanks. And danger flared whenever Lewandowski dropped deep to link with Thomas Muller. It could have been a lot worse than 3-0. 3-0 seems... 3-0 is always that... It's the last score before a battering. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that yeah. recently. 3-0 is a win. 4-0 is a battering. And that's all it would have taken. I thought Alfonso Davies was... Yeah, I think a lot of people woke up to the fact that this kid's for real. Yeah, and and I suppose having him on the same side as as Piliqueta was, I mean, there's just you had you had Gnabry, Alicantra, Davies ostensibly on that left hand side, and it was they, the pace out wide alone was enough to beat Chelsea, and um, yeah, it just goes to show you there is there's a lot of work yet to be done at, at Chelsea. There's a lot. Of oh work. yeah, and. Again, I don't want to just turn this into a you know a US centric thing, but they miss Christian Pulisic. That forward line of um, with Mason Mount and Barkley in there, it, it's just not. It doesn't have the cutting edge. I don't think you need to qualify that statement with any kind of like. You, well, American we've got listeners sentiment. who aren't American, Andrew, and and they think that we bang. Well, up. then they need to wake up to the fact that this guy is important and very good. Yeah, and and also the midfield, midfield just wasn't there. I mean, they were completely overrun. And um, you can expect a spate of signings for Chelsea in in, in the summer. Yeah, they have uh, certainly lost time to make up for. Um, Yeah, Bayern Munich, I don't know. I just feel like they sort of continue to fly under the radar. But I saw a statistic about them uh, this Champions League season that was eye-opening to me. Bayern Munich are the third team in UEFA Champions League history to win their first seven games in a Champions League season. Joining uh, 02-03 Barcelona and 14-15 Real Madrid. Uh, it does bear mentioning, though, that those two previous teams did not win the title those years. But Bears mentioning, too, that Robert Lewandowski is out broke, for four weeks. Broke his leg. Did yeah, they, uh, what? Bro- I, th- well, why I thought I, I saw it was a... I th- did I see it wrong? I thought it was a broken bone in his tibia. Oh, okay. Right? That's in your leg. Four weeks, though, seems conservative. I, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Uh, unless, I don't know, you want to look it up and see if like the nature of that injury changed. I thought I had seen a broken bone in his tibia. Um, and yeah, four weeks does sound uh, like not a lot of time. He scored a goal in this game. Um, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Generally linked to play really well. And this team is so far ahead of the team that Liverpool bet at the round of 16 um, last, last season. I yeah. mean, they... They didn't do anything really in Anfield. They had a few half chances in Anfield and then Liverpool just wiped them out in Munich 
this team seems much more aggressive. Um, yeah, they they look like they're. I think you're right. They we shouldn't. It's it's weird you say fly under the radar. A team of the of the resource I know. and history of Bayern Munich shouldn't do that. But considering how limp they were last season, I guess it, it's kind of apt. Uh, Chelsea have lost eight games at home in all competitions this season. That's I don't know. That just seems like a crazy high number it to is me, high. considering that it's February. Uh, I think that's tied for the most that they uh, have lost at home, or it's the most since eighty five, eighty six. So uh, we're talking like almost like a generation and a half, and like they're going to clearly pass that number. ESPN is saying suffering a left tibia injury on Tuesday. It's not going into any detail as to okay. whether that's a break or, or whatever. So, All right. but uh, but either way, with or without him, I would think that Bayern Munich are are safely through. Yes. Um, heading into the second leg, I think that they they're feeling good right now. They are they're flying pretty high right now in this competition. Uh, we should mention the other games that occurred midweek: Napoli and Barcelona, one one. Barcelona coming from behind. Antoine Griezmann getting an important goal. Um, really well road. worked goal it was yeah. an excellent goal we should also mention Dries Martin's goal which was a beaut um, interesting game finally poised uh, yeah I saw that heading as they prepare for the second leg uh, back in Barcelona you know Napoli will have to score um, but Gattuso is already gearing up for a, a like just an all out battle he said that this is the kind of game uh, the second leg where they will be going out and buying helmets and shields or helmets and armor uh, to prepare for that. This will be war. If I was crafting a line for Gattuso, a war reference would be what I'd come up with. Yeah. He seems like that kind of guy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I'm curious what that one will be like. Something with Barcelona just uh, – and I know they were coming off a 4-0 uh, or 5-0 victory over the weekend, four goals from yeah. Messi. But And they're leading La Liga. Like It's weird to be saying this and feeling this way, but it's, I feel like something just doesn't seem right. Well, at the start of the month, it's so strange that you say that those words at the start of the month Jonathan Wilson wrote a piece kind of stemming from the Eric Abidal and and Leo Messi fallout and he talked about the club and he said firstly Barcelona are a reminder that in the modern era super clubs can be run with staggering ineptitude and still win titles Barcelona can still be good and he talks about Messi how a lot of Barcelona performances which are very so-so are completely wiped out by the fact that Messi turns it on for 10-15 minutes and drags the team through and they win and they look very, very good. But in fact, there's problems. He, he talks about how the midfield is slow, um, leaves too many gaps, doesn't, you know, the, how Barcelona really in the modern day where pressing is so important, they don't really have that anymore. And he actually plots how little Messi presses now and how while he's not a luxury player, he's essential to them. Yeah. Every, it, Barcelona's slowly morphing into Argentina where everything is deferred towards him. And so the team is kind of is kind of rudderless. And um, his final line is like, there's no coherent plan except try and buy the best players. Like, look at the Martin Braithwaite signing. Look, look, look at the panic they went into in January where they went to buy a player who was playing in, 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 in Japan. And on his way over, they text, no, we're not going to sign you now. And he turned around in, in, in Korea. It was bizarre. And... Uh, he says, high pressing and transitions reign. Even Guardiola has evolved. Meanwhile, Barcelona, Barcelona, devoid of leadership, stagnate, sustained only by Messi and their wealth as the game flows ever further away from them. And, and the, you kind of feel like they're hanging on to the old Barcelona, bits and pieces of Guardiola's Barcelona, bits and pieces of um, Luis Enrique's Barcelona. You know, why is Messi so m- open about getting Neymar back to the club? 
because he wants to get the band back together for for one more go at this. It's, yeah. Well, I don't know. They like they have maintained the same style. Like if you look at statistically their number of passes, horizontal passes, right. backward pass, like it is this continuous. But they don't like, press. With, they don't do the, the in the same way that they used to. I mean, Rakitic and Busquets are getting on now, and yeah. and I mean, obviously, De Young is a youthful signing, but. Yeah, I don't know. They just seem caught between two eras. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think that's a good way of putting it. I just, in the same breath, though, I can't help but wonder if we're going to do that thing with Barcelona that we kind of did, not to make a direct comparison between the two, but like that we did with Jill Ellis with the U.S. women, where it's like, we're going to just question her all the way through the U.S. winning a World Cup. Like with Barcelona, I wonder if we're just going to continuously say, like something's not right here all the way through them winning the league and possibly winning the Champions League as well. Like, yeah, it's just... but I think those were team selections and matters of style rather than a complete and coherent plan not being there for the club, like a scattergun approach to. Also, they're operating under a manager who's only in, in a ma- he's only there a matter of weeks. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, you mentioned the Braithwaite thing. Are we, do we talk about, we haven't mentioned that yet. No, we did. Did we? Okay, because I don't know if, if I've had a chance to say how I truly feel about it. I think the rule is uh, a disaster. I can't believe that this is a thing that can happen. A rule based in the spirit of coming to the rescue of a club uh, in need, only to then create another club that is now in greater need than the previous one. Like, this is a rule so designed to aid the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid. Like, how many times are you going to see a club like Lejeunez? Uh, rely on a rule like this and that like they're the ones that wind up getting absolutely screwed in the situation i can't believe this is a thing and leonese is now appealing uh that they should be able to then do this to fill their void but it seems like that's not going to happen for them uh, this like i don't know i feel like this is a thing that the, that spain needs to reevaluate because this rule does not make an ounce of sense to me um it's strange that you uh i mean it's just a, a very very visceral look at how the big teams get everything i suppose i mean look they, they can always lean on the fact that well anyone can use this but like i don't know when is that when is it going to come to a no the rich a, a smaller the rich will, will feed on the poor yeah. that's that's what it is but to do it in a way where it doesn't allow the poor a chance to regenerate in their own right is it just feels so ethically wrong to me um and then last but not least, JJ, I guess you could say the surprise of the round, Leon over Juventus 1-0. Um, Juventus without a shot on target. 14 shots, nothing on target. Uh, a listener contacted us and says, because I tweeted or I Instagrammed about the game, and they said, I hope this wasn't the game you watched. And it wasn't. But I went back and watched the highlights. Um, game wasn't that interesting. Leon thoroughly deserved their uh, their 1-0 win. Um, what was interesting to me was the whole Sarri angle that's now emerging. So here's Sarri, 2018, after... Remember the four they got beaten 4-0 in and around Christmas at Bournemouth. Asked if he was good enough, Sarri added, maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm not able to motivate them. But the team is very strong. It is also able to win without the coach. This is Sarri yesterday on Sky, according to James Horncastle on Twitter. I'm having difficulty getting the idea across to this team that they have to move the ball quickly. Right. So there's just some kind of symmetry happening here again with Sarri, where in the media, at least, he is being really 
honest about his coaching and his plans. Like moving the ball really quickly is the core tenant, uh, one of the core tenants of 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 Sari ball. Right. If that term doesn't make you vomit, that's a problem. That's an enormous problem, and it really echoes the kind of stuff he was saying towards the end, or towards the middle of the end at least at Chelsea. I don't know where they go, but all I know is this is an expensive project. Um, the midfield, by the way, of Juventus was roundly criticised by its own fans. Bentancur, Pjanic came in for it a lot, Rabiot as well. Dybala got plenty in terms of just, again, on a, on a big moment in Europe, not producing. Uh, here's Gab Marcotti talking a little bit about what you were just talking about with uh, Maurizio Sarri and uh, responding to the question of whether or not Sarri may not even last the season. No, I don't think there's any chance of... Of Sari going before the end of the season, as things stand, they'd have to degenerate uh, pretty badly. Um, uh, if he wins the league in his first year in charge, given given how strong the, the competition has looked, you know, I, I think that they they will definitely bring him back, even if they don't. But um, I, the screws are definitely turning on him, and I think there will be a bit of a backlash. Juve fans, don't forget, they were pretty comfortable, most of them, doing what they were doing before, you know, winning the league. Uh, being very comfortable sitting and defending and not conceding shots. The worrying thing against Leon is not only did they not take any shots on goal, they conceded 11 shots from Leon. So uh, even though they played better in the second half, it's not as if they were sitting back there, you know, defending and Leon was just stuck playing in front of them the whole game and, and they were sort of shepherding us toward, towards a draw. No, uh, they were under pressure and they were conceding chances. Sari kind of strikes me as a manager who had that one fit, that perfect place at Napoli for that system, for that time, Mm -hmm. that crew. And it just hasn't really worked anywhere else. I mean, it was okay at Chelsea, but the fans didn't really want it or weren't patient. And the players certainly seem to be in a mini revolt. And now it's not kind of working at Juve either. You know uh, Friday Night Lights? Uh-huh. You know when Eric, Coach Eric Taylor went to um, fake te- Texas A&M? Right. TMU, I think it was called. And, you know, there was obviously there was a lot of, of reasons that the move to TMU didn't work out. And he ends up back. Buddy Garrity makes sure he ends up back in, you know, with, uh, with what, were, what were they called? The, he went back to the Dillon Panthers. You know, because everything was right in Dylan, and I feel like you know he had Tim Riggins. He could create his own quarterback. He had his own Jorginho, the ginger kid, at quarterback. Saracen. Yeah, he you know Saracen. Things worked. He understood the town. He understood the club. The players were his players. It was his system. I just i I can't help but feel that it's like taking a fish out of water, putting Sari in these other. Areas and it's not a bad thought. And you know the way he came late to the game in terms of you know he was a he worked in a bank, and then you know he continued he went coaching full time. Maybe they're just you know the larger clubs superpowers in Europe aren't for for Sarri. I've just always had a hard time removing uh, the image from my head of his total uh, sideline meltdown when Kepa refused to yeah. come out. Like that whole him pacing towards the tunnel and then like clearly so angry he doesn't know what to do with himself and like this but andrew it was it was it was just a misunderstanding yeah mm. <laughs> yeah that's all um 
yeah, it's, I don't know. The like uh, Gab said one thing in that comment, um, and I, I'm wondering if it stood out to you at all because it really did to me. I'm not a Juventus fan, so I don't I don't pretend to know what it is they're thinking. But to hear Gab say that Juventus fans were quite happy with the way things were going, just like dominating Syria, A, winning titles year after year. But I think and, like, he was talking like uh, under Allegri and under under you know Conte before. I guess know. I've just been under this complete misconception that they were growing almost tired of that and needed validation on on a higher level which would have been the Champions League which is why I thought they went out to get Ronaldo I that, no you're right but they didn't go out to abandon the principles of of football in terms or certainly principles of Italian football where you don't give up 14 or 12 12 11 or 12 shots to to the opposition I think they want both they want the solidity that Liverpool have and also the attack and that's why Ronaldo was bought. It's, Ronaldo was bought to, to fire them forward. But I don't think that... Ronaldo was bought before Sarri came in. Mm-hmm. You know, Sarri was the, the manager that they got at the time. They Remember, they were in a fairly exhaustive search for a manager. And they ended up with Sarri. And we all asked, could it work? You know, if you were picking Sarri's style... Look at what uh, the front three at... Napoli were under Sarri or look at the kind of players he had the Lorenzo Insignes the Dries Mertens I mean they don't have that at Juventus so yeah it's uh, just it just doesn't seem it seems like an all an awkward fit yeah I I think you're right um, let's see we're going to do our MLS preview in just a moment JJ but first I want to tell you something JJ I want to tell you that the best teams start with great talent but finding the right people can be a challenge It's hard to fill critical roles in sports, to build high-performance teams. Everything that's involved in the process, spending long hours on the road, scouting players, training them on position-specific techniques, so on and so forth. But here's the deal. When it comes to hiring for your business, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right candidates for your team. Oh, thank God for that. Fast. From healthcare to manufacturing to business services and more. And now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 top job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, our listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. O-F-F-S-I-D-E. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a very, very quick break. When we come back, the moment has arrived. It is upon us. The time is now. Our MLS season preview, all the things that you need to know so you can speak intelligently about this league while you weren't paying attention during the offseason. Fair? Perfect. We'll be right back. There will be a season. There will not be any sort of work stoppage. Javier Hernandez will be the latest designated player in Galaxy. Zlatan and Rooney return to Europe, while Marcus Beasley, Nick Romando, Tim Howard, and Bachman Schweinsteiger haunted off. This is an exciting time and something that we're really looking forward to bringing to Miami. So, Nashville will be Major League Soccer's 24th team. Russell's looking for Martinez and has found it. Joseph Martinez. Martinez! It's Pozuelo. 
was a wondrous bit of editing by you. I really enjoyed that. It's the 25th season. MLS is back. It was a fun year last year, listening back to some of those moments. The, the postseason gave us some great moments. How many like games decided in extra time and stoppage time? You know, it was it was really a lot of fun. Vela's season, uh, Zlatan, the whole El Trafico thing. It was that postseason does whet your appetite for. For the for the coming ports post season because they've got it so right in terms of the one game uh, format, it was a good season last season for for MLS I think yeah uh, and now of course the challenge is to keep the ball moving to keep excitement high to keep enthusiasm high we have two new teams entering the league this year in Inter Miami and in Nashville uh, two cities that I don't know for to me feel like they're ready for this you know Miami God knows how long we've been talking about this David Beckham experiment and how you know when it was going to come to fruition well it's it's here and they will get into it but they appear to be ready at least on the field um, this is going to be a lot of fun should we go through it should we explain to people how we're doing this yeah go ahead so we basically and it's pretty simple we just kind of came up with what we deem to be the 10 biggest questions um, surrounding the league this season and we will we will give our answers i don't know all of your answers i i give fair warning now we did not we kind of like we there may there may be crossover between some of what we have to say but we'll probably disagree in what we have to say also we have a, a mailbag which should cover some other issues an as mls well. specific mailbag too uh so there's a lot to get to so let's just get into it right now the first question here jj was the uh, the biggest off-season move do you want me to go uh yeah sure uh i'm gonna go with rodolfo pizarro I actually have the same. But I think I'm going to take a different angle from you. Oh, okay. Um, so this is what Sebastian Salazar had to say about this signing. One, Rodolfo Pizarro is not a star, so launching David Beckham's MLS team with him as your marquee player is a big disappointment. Also, Miami paid more for Pizarro than Atlanta paid for Miguel Almiron. Let me know when Pizarro gets 10 goals and 15 assists in a season. I won't hold my breath. Wow. And I thought, wow, Sebastian is being really harsh. And then I went back and looked at his numbers. He isn't being harsh. Only once has Pizarro gotten double figures in either goals or assists across all competitions in his career. He's 26 now. Now, I'm not saying he won't come good at Miami or find his sweet spot at 26, but he's the major expense on a new franchise looking to make a splash. The model, Andrew, for a good start as a new team is Atlanta a team built around savvy impact signings who would deliver immediately. This does not feel like that at all. I'm picking it as my biggest off-season move because of the risk involved. 
That's interesting. Um, I can't necessarily sit here and say that you're wrong to have all those thoughts. All I can do is throw a couple competing viewpoints at you, and we can allow the people to decide. First off, uh, Tom Marshall, who covers Mexican football for ESPN FC, had a big write-up on this signing. Pizarro coming from one of Mexico's most successful clubs in Monterrey was eye-opening to a lot of people there. Mm. Um, I do think, like you can talk about his statistics, I do think there's something to be said for a player who comes with such a winning pedigree yeah. uh, into an expansion team and how that can be a bit of a culture setter. Um, like I said, he's coming from Monterey. Uh, he's won two Liga MX uh, or three Liga MX titles and two CONCACAF Champions League crowns since he's, and like you said, he's only just turned 26. So he's had a lot of success early in his career. But if that's not convincing, I, I would then say this. In the write-up, Tom Marshall has a quote from Tata Martino. Uh, where Martino refers to Pizarro as being uh, the best Mexican player from the year 2019. And there are certainly no shortage okay. of candidates to choose from that year. Um, we saw what Carlos Vela did. We saw what Raul Jimenez did. Uh, but Tata Martino viewed this guy as the best Mexican player from 2019. That's that's eye-opening to me because I think Martino is somebody whose opinion we generally trust. And that's uh, that's no small thing. So, I mean, to me, you're right. Like there, Of course, there's risk around this um i think it's helpful that he's malleable as a player in terms of where he's going to be used extremely it sounds like he'll be used in like more of a number 10 central attacking midfield role playmaking role but he's played wide out wide left or right he's played central he's played deeper yeah um so i mean look i guess you can it, you can read the question any way you want. The biggest off-season move, it can be because it's a big move and, and the fact that it doesn't work out would be would be a, a, a disaster for Inter-Miami. Um, but I'm going to take the more optimistic viewpoint, and I think that this will be um, the right the right start for this club. Um, so there you go. And, wow, right off the bat. Interesting. Disagreement. All right. Uh, we'll kind of stay along those lines here and ask the question of the expansion team who's more suited to win now. Now, this for me is one of the great leaps into the beyond, into the unknown. And so everything I say should be taken with ginormous pinches of salt. (laughs) All right. In fact, a silo of salt. I'm going to make some assumptions here, Andrew, in my answer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to assume that the aging legs of Dax McCarthy still have plenty left in them to run the center of a park. I'm going to hope that Annabelle Godoy can help McCarthy in that endeavour. I'm going to assume that Dominic Baggi and David Akam can at least between them score enough goals to make this team potent. I'm further going to assume that Walker Zimmerman will settle quickly and will mentor Jack Maher into a top quality defender. I'm talking about Nashville. I know. On paper, this is a team that could be decent and compete for the playoffs in its inaugural season. No one is saying that, but I'm going to say it. I'm not sure about creativity in the side, but being tough enough to beat could be the springboard for a solid season in the Music City. Huh. Now, you made a lot of assumptions. Huge amount. And I also think, in retrospect, if I had to go again, I'd go with (laughs) Inter-Miami. So your answer is utterly meaningless and nonsensical. No, well, both our answers will be in this case. We have Why? No, I feel a strong conviction about Andrew, my Andrew, made-up teams just put together so with I said one Inter Miami. I went with Inter-Miami. I've already spoken about Rodolfo Pizarro and how I do think it will be a good signing for them. But we'll go beyond that. First off, let's start with the coach. 
Uh, Diego Alonso, who's won CONCACAF Champions League uh, leagues with two different teams, both Pachuca and Monterrey. And then here's the thing that is interesting for me about Miami. I feel like they've done a nice job with roster construction in terms of blending young potential stars with experienced vets. Right. Um, And if that works, I feel like that can be a model that works very well. Luis Robles in net, um, former New York Red Bull legend. Friend of the show. Uh, Ben Sweat, who put in a lot of great years with NYCFC. Will Trapp in the midfield. Roman Torres, veteran, hard-nosed defender in central defense. Um, Look, the X factor, we talked about Pizarro. There's X factors in youth. Uh, Matthias, uh, Matthias Pellegrini, 19-year-old designated player, like that's really young, but he's their DP. And so like there's a lot of hope and hype around him. And if that works, then what what may they have just stumbled upon? And then like Juan Agudelo, you know, and, and I'm not saying that he will – like I'm done with the conversation of maybe this is the year that – Juan Agadello realizes all that potential. I don't know that we're still having that conversation, but no, I do think. We're not. But I do think there is some value uh, to tight game off the bench. Um, you know, last twenty minutes, sprint to the finish, that kind of thing, and having a player of his of his quality where he can come in and make some kind of difference. So I I kind of like the way that they're they're constructed here. They, you have to accept this is a real shot in the dark, and I do take all your points. Um, yeah, the prognosticators that I've read are not very optimistic about either side. But we'll see. I feel very strong in what I say. (laughs) I will not let you talk me down to my thoughts. Uh, All right, JJ, the team that you think could take a big step forward from where they were a year ago. I get roundly criticized every time we do our MLS previews for not mentioning them, but I'm going to mention them. Before you said I want to... Oh, I heard you start to say Oh, really? I was going to try to guess who that team would be. (laughs) It's Orlando Orlando City. Yeah. Um, when you think about Orlando City, the main positives of like it's the fans, the stadium, the buzz around the stadium. And I every- still just view Kaka, <laughs> the eternal face of the team. Uh, everything else has been pretty bad. Uh, we've heard all the rumblings about a problem with the front office. And in that sense, Oscar Perea has a friend and an ally in Luis Muzi as his director of football. They work together at Dallas. That already tells me that there's some kind of a real solid long-term plan being put together. Uh, we've seen them co-coaches, most recently James O'Connor, in an attempt to finally make this a playoff team. Oscar Perea is preaching patience, but also trying to exercise the negativity that surrounds the club. Now, there's only one way to do that, Andrew, and that is to win games. And in that regard, he's building from the back. So he signed Antonio Carlos from Palmeiras. That indicates he wants to really have a solid defence. And Perea said this to The Athletic. There are things that I will not negotiate with them, the team, and they know. The message is clear. If we start from that organisation, we can do many things well. Sometimes being so romantic with the game, it just allows you to forget that you have to organise and defend. That balance of those two phases, we are working hard to make it good. That suggests to me that they are not going to be the soft touch that regularly concedes goals, late goals, and kind of solidifies that backline. Now, to me, that's all well and good. The key is the midfield attack triumvirate of Nani, Dom Dwyer, and the Uruguayan uh, Maurizio Pereira. They've, Pereira's got to link the whole thing together. Junior Orso, another Brazilian recruit from Corinthians, will need to be very good. But that three is going to be key to getting the goals that could make Orlando better than they've been. Interesting. That's the right. I, I'm, I'm saying they'll be better. Uh, I went in a different direction, JJ. I went with the LA Galaxy. Um, 
Now, yes, people may remember them as having gone on this playoff run last season, uh, but you do need to remember that they barely made the playoffs, and they actually finished with a negative goal differential in making the playoffs. Okay. Um, I'm not even going to really say a ton about the addition of Chicharito. I think it was, I do think it was massive for them to straight out of the gate lose Laton and then go and get somebody who can fill that void. I've got things to say about okay. that. Um, but I'll go beyond that. The guy who I am excited about for them this season is Christian Pavone, who only came over in August. Ah. Came over in August last year, played just 11 games, and gave the Galaxy th- uh, three goals and eight assists in those 11 games. He's back now for a full season. I'm excited to see what his chemistry will be like with Chicharito, um, as opposed to a guy like Zlatan, who, I don't know, I feel, I just feel like it's hard to develop chemistry with Zlatan in such a short time frame. But I think he did. And I think he did as good a job as he could, but now I'm excited about a full season with okay. maybe a more amenable player. Um also went out and got a, another Argentinian player in Emiliano Insua, who will probably be playing fullback on Pavone's side. Um, I don't know. It just feels like the two of them on the left might be able to wreak havoc against defenses that can be exploited on that side. Um, and then, look, you know what I think of Sebastian Legette. I've always had this kind of this sort of thing for him as a player. I love his game. And then quietly, one of the under-the-radar signings, I don't know if he'll start for them, but Sasha Kleschen is a very intriguing signing to me. Proven MLS vet, great on set pieces. Um, The question for them, like it was last year, they scored a ton of goals last year. The question for them will be defense. Because I mentioned Insua, but they didn't do a ton to really improve their defense. The only thing that I can go off of is that the team ethic has changed with Zlatan not being there. Um, And Legette actually talked about that. Uh, He said the message this year is, as a group, we need to be better all around defensively. We know we know we're going to score goals. We know we're going to find the back of the net somehow. We uh, somehow we have to uh, we have creative players. But if we don't work hard on the other side, I think we'll be in trouble like last year. We can't win every game four three. If they're speaking openly about that, I just have to think that there's like a collective mindset change that you know we we have to track back. We have to work harder. Um, that there has to be more ways to win games than just outscoring your opponent. So I'm leaning on that a little bit. Uh, and I'm leaning on Chicharito to come good, which I think he will. And that's why I'm leaning on the Galaxy to take a, a step forward this year. Uh, the opposite of that, the team that you think could take a big step back. Uh, the Red Bulls of New York. Oh, oh, wow. So uh, as I mentioned at the New York Soccer Gala, I had a, a, a brief chat with uh, with Coach Chris Armas. Did you uh, tell him this? What? That you think his team is heading in the wrong direction? No, I asked him. I, I said, how was preseason? And... He's nervously anxious, I would say. He's excited about the season. So he confided in you. No, he didn't confide. No, no, no. I got a a sense from him that he's excited about the season, that they're still learning lots about the team. But, you know, he said to me, oh, well, Aaron Long, his hamstring's a little bit tight and, you know, uh, we got to manage that. And JJ, I've only just met you, but I must say I'm worried. What do you mean? This is what he said to you. He didn't say that. Oh. I just got a vibe. Okay. All right? Just a vibe. He's excited about the season. But for me, and he he's, these are not his words, I think, I, I'm not sure Red Bulls fans have have, have <laughs> as much reason to be excited. Uh, Robles, Wright Phillips, Kamara Lawrence, all gone. Red Bulls are going to have to do it again, exceed expectations. This is a team that has it... 
A slow drain of high-end talent since 2014. The model has been changed into the focus on young talent, but their best young talent of recent times barely got a chance to get going. That's Tyler Adams before he was in the Bundesliga. I still think Daniel Royer is one of my favourite players in this league. Uh, I was actually sat with their academy graduate, John Tolkien's father, at the gala. I'm I'm there beside Tolkien's dad, and I'm like, you know, how's how's your boy doing? And he said, yeah, you know, it's it's good. He's excited. He goes, but I think he'll probably play the majority of his minutes in the reserves. And I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. But the way this team is trending towards younger talent, maybe Tolkien, you're going to see a lot of them. Um, a lot's going to be expected from the veterans Parker, Long, Kaku and Moyle but I think much will be expected of Tolkien and Matthias Jorgensen the Danish striker who is 19 Um, and they'll need it immediately Andrew I think there's going to be a significant drop off at Red Bulls this season how long can you fight against the tide we have said this every year how long can you keep doing it I know but yeah, I get I what just, you're saying. I guess like, and I, I want to clarify: Chris Armas did not tell me anything to suggest he thinks he is nervous or worried about the season. He just seemed excited and on edge, and that whole thing. This all feels very personal. Like he, like, what did he make fun of your core? <laughs> JJ, those doctors were right. You really don't have a core. No, by the way, he looks at, again another coach that looks like he could play. Yeah. Step onto the field straight away. Uh, let's see. These questions make me uncomfortable. I feel bad at the beginning of a season already telling a fan base that's so excited that like you're not going to be as good as you think you are. It just hurts me to do this. So no, I'm going to so go quick. I, I think Red Bulls fan. You've got them as well. No, no. Uh, I have Minnesota United FC. Oh, I yeah, actually I'm looked with- at their roster and I came away with the the opposite. <laughs> Uh, they were fourth in the West last year. Actually tied on point th- uh, points with Real Salt Lake for third, but behind on the tiebreaker. Ike Opara, you feel good about them in that spot. Great player. I love him. Uh, but they did part ways with Vito Minoni, MLS's goalkeeper of the year. And here's the thing, and, and I'm not surprised that they did this, um, but it was a team not brimming with offensive talent. And yet they parted with Darwin Quintero, who was probably their best offensive player. He's off to Houston. Um that would be a red flag to me. Uh, also, just kind of looking year to year in terms of like sustainability, sometimes I like to look at close games because uh, I feel like close games can kind of go either way. Sometimes you get the break, sometimes you don't. Of their 15 wins last season, 10 were by one goal. I feel like that can swing a team's fortunes one way or another. Um, and they ended the season so meekly. Uh, MLSsoccer.com in their preview pointed out uh, how the Loons posted just 11 goals across their final 11 games. Um, They scored 52 for the season, but that was with the seven-goal explosion against Cincinnati. Right. Uh, And I just don't know that they really did a ton to replenish having lost Quintero. Um, uh, The wild card, I guess, will be Luis Amaria, who uh, was signed in attack uh, who was Para- the Paraguayan League's Golden Boot winner? Okay, I mean, I don't know really what's to say about being the high scorer in that league. If that's what they're relying on, maybe it'll work. But I think I'm also fair to have some hesitation when when looking at this team. So yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, let's be more positive now. Player that you're more uh, that you're most excited about this season. Well, he's already been mentioned, so I'll go through it quickly. Christian Pavon at the LA oh. Galaxy. Now, 
this is the way I frame it. So please don't don't take offense, uh, MLS watchers. But this was meant to be a stopping stopping off point for Pavon on the road to Europe. Don't forget, he was in he featured in the World Cup for Argentina yeah. in 2018. Um, but it seems like he's going to tarry a little longer on the West Coast, and I think that's good because the flashes I saw from him, I got really excited, and I think he's I think he's an excellent player. And who knows, he may at 24 he may still make that that leap to Europe. Um, the LA Galaxy have legit Kleschen and the young Efren Alvarez important in terms of creativity but for me Pavon is the key and if Chicharito is to flourish those guys are going to need to be at the top of their game and the high level player amongst all those is clearly Christian Pavon he yeah. is the one with the pedigree if he thrives then Chicharito will thrive if he doesn't I'd have questions because Chicharito will not create the goals in the same way that Zlatan Ibrahimovic did. Uh, let's see. I went with this one was actually very easy for me. Um, I went with Jordan Morris. Uh, I just love this guy. I love his story. Wasn't really on the national team's picture until late. Decided to stay in MLS rather than go abroad. Signs with his hometown team. Tears ACL. Comes back, has a special season with that team, uh, an even more special postseason, three goals and an assist en route to winning MLS Cup. Um, I don't know. I just feel like he's not, he's just not usually mentioned among the league's best players. And when you see him suit up for the U.S., I feel like he doesn't like instill excitement among U.S. fans when the lineup comes out and he's in it. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I kind of think he's fantastic. Like, I just love the whole underdog vibe. That's kind of going on for him. Um, and then it's one game, uh, but you see the first leg of Seattle against Olympia in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, and he looks, I mean, he looks like he's ready to pick up right where he left off last year, a goal and an assist. Um, I don't know. He's like fully, fully healthy. Um, 25 years old, just hitting his prime now. I don't know. I feel like he's ready to take the next step. If he hasn't already, uh, maybe that's unfair to the player that he's already been. But I feel like he's he's truly ready to become one of the faces of this league. Okay. And I think I think you'll see it this season. Uh, all right. I'm curious what you're going to say for this one. Um, most interesting storyline. I need you to hit a certain drop. Henri. Thierry Henri watch. What a goal. What's this French for? Wow. I haven't got a, had a chance really to talk about him. Yeah. The sexy boy is back <laughs> in Quebec. Yeah, for me, it's 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 Thierry Henry. Maybe that's my old Eurocentric head, but uh, yeah, he's he's now claiming that it was always the plan to manage in MLS. Was it? I don't know. But here, I he, mean, he was a good player. Here, he was he was he did well in this was league. The, he, I'm pretty sure the no, plan, the plan, no, the plan was not to go from Monaco to here, and um, we still don't know in this post playing career of his. He's been a pundit for a little bit with Sky on quite phenomenal wages, if we're understood to believe it to be four million a year. Punditry, I don't think he was universally hailed as a great pundit. Uh, he's been assistant manager with the Belgian national team. And uh, we all tracked and followed his disappointing run with Monaco before he was sacked. So here he is. He rocks into Montreal and... Um, I just don't know what this is going to be. He's starting on the back foot a little bit. Uh, losing Ignacio Piatti is gone. Who is, how would you describe him? The talismanic 
presence in a faltering franchise. Wow. This well, this this is a, a franchise that really hasn't pulled up trees since it uh, since its inception. So, um, I read a very interesting article in the Athletic. Uh, Pablo Moore obviously sat down with uh, with Thierry Henry, and Henry is talking and pre- preaching patience. Which I wonder will he have the patience himself? It's going to take to build a team. He's not coming into Monaco where Monaco was a team that already existed and he had to guide them out of something. This is team building 101. And I'm curious. Um, well, he's off to a good start. They're through uh, to the quarterfinals in the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, this is what uh, Pablo wrote. At multiple points in the interview, Henri returns to a singular theme, patience. The project in Montreal, he says, will take time. Patience has not been the club's strong suit in the past, but at this point, it's likely they have no choice but to give Henri a fair shot. Henri says, I know the league. I know how it is, but this is a massive challenge. It's something that will take time because things do not happen in one or two or three years sometimes. But we're aspiring to slowly try and build this club. That is a huge task. Um, The ownership has, as Pablo said, not shown patience. Henri is a big enough name that he should um, have patience or be given time. I, I... I just know not. It's amazing that he's he's been around fairly um, obviously and out in the open since his career ended, and I don't know if he's a good coach. Fair, and so I don't know how this is going to be. All right, that's all very fair, and that and that's why I'm fascinated. Yeah. Um, all right, very American centric moment happening for me here, uh, for my most interesting storyline. I feel like there's a there's a thing happening right now. Between North America's two biggest leagues, um, I am not prepared to sit here and say that MLS is better than Liga MX. I don't think that enough has happened on the field, uh, especially when the teams are pitted against one another, where you can make uh, a leap like that. However, um, with what we're seeing in the way of player movement, you can't help but wonder if we're in the midst of some sort of shifting of perceptions with how these leagues are viewed. I mentioned Rodolfo Pizarro uh, earlier. Going from uh, ML or going from Liga MX, one of Liga MX's best teams, to MLS, um, his reasoning, part of his reasoning for that was because he thought it would put him in the right direction towards a contract in Europe. Uh, he said, and speaking about MLS, I think it's a bit closer. Uh, being there first and then later in Europe, it's a lot easier from there in MLS to Europe. Uh, if that is what Liga MX players are thinking, then. I really wonder if this is like if we're on the front edge of a wave where you're going to see a real shift in terms of uh, talent moving from that league to this league here in the U.S. I'm reading now, JJ. This is from Graham Ruthven at Yahoo Sports who wrote about this. He said previously, Liga MX stars would only cross the border for higher wages and a perceived higher standard of life. Those were MLS's biggest selling points, and they remain a factor. But if MLS is truly seen as a better springboard to bigger things, then that could pose something of an existential question to Liga MX. The last three transfer windows have seen no fewer than 16 players swap Liga MX for MLS, while only eight have gone from uh, the have have only gone the other way from MLS back to Liga MX. Um, 
The stature of the players swapping Liga MX for MLS is also revealing. Last season, the Portland Timbers reportedly paid a fee of around $12 million to sign Argentine striker Brian Fernandez from Necaxa after he scored 16 times in 30 Liga MX appearances. This offseason, Kansas City splurged around $10 million on Alan Pulido. Uh, from Chivas, while Edison Flores joined D.C. United. Uh, Lucas Cavallini signed for Vancouver. Lucas Zalarian became a member of the Columbus crew. Um, that is eye-opening. And by the way, J.J., that's not even to mention Mexico's greatest star, Chicharito, who I know he's not going from a Liga MX club to MLS, but like he's coming back to North America and he's choosing MLS over Liga MX. These things don't happen overnight, but I just cannot help but wonder if this is the most profound sign yet of where MLS stands in its if there is a battle in this battle to overtake league mx for north american supremacy i feel like we're seeing we're seeing some we're like in a moment right now where something is happening yeah and and clearly the eyes of europe are more on mls and these players think this is our best opportunity to to get to the the big leagues yeah uh all right uh, what's going to be the biggest surprise of the season i can keep this very short all right um i think people are going to be surprised it's going to be much harder for Chicharito than a lot of people think. I, I, I genuinely believe that. Okay. Um, I don't think he's played enough in the last few years, and the last time he was leading light anywhere was in Leverkusen. We're going back to 2017. Moved to West Ham, didn't work out. Moved to Sevilla, didn't work out. Has he still got it in the legs? Has he still got that sharpness, that awareness? How long is it going to take him to get up to speed if he is still uh, at that top level? I have a lot of questions. Second thing is way out there. Like, I mean... Very out there. All right. FC Cincinnati. Might they be okay? I mean, the debacle of the offseason. They were truly horrifying. They were horrifying last season. They were horrifying in the offseason with the Ron Yans debacle. The absolute mess that that was. I mean, I won't even go into so that. So what are you basing this on? Well, Jürgen Lacadia is coming in as a DP. He'll be paired with Yaya Kubo, who's come in from Ghent. There's Harris Medunian, who we all know about. And they've got a defender, the Swedish defender, Tom Peterson. He might kind of put things together at the back. Maybe they won't concede as much. Maybe they'll be a pleasant surprise. Maybe they'll go into their new stadium after their final um, their final showing at Nippert with, with the bounce. All right. But I'm not basing it on much. <laughs> Uh, here's my biggest surprise, JJ. Um, Wayne Rooney has left. Luciano Acosta has left. Lucas Rodriguez has left. Paul Ariola has a torn ACL. On the surface, it feels like DC United would be in for a rough season. But I am not taking that bait. Um, I think there will still be good days ahead at Audi Field in the nation's capital. Here's some of my positives. Uh, by the way, real quick, isn't it crazy that this is Ben Olsen's 10th year managing DC? He's only 42. That's, That's incredible. Yeah. He was Nagelsman. Yeah, right. And now he's... Ben Olsen or early, Lombardi? Early, early stage Mourinho. <laughs> um, some of my positives. I mentioned last week how much I love the addition of Julian Gressel. He can defend. He can make plays. Good passer. Very quick. Uh, but Gressel wasn't even their biggest move this winter. They set a new club record uh, transfer fee in signing 25-year-old Peruvian Edison Flores, who I just mentioned, one of the players who made a marquee move from Liga MX to MLS. Fle- uh, he's flexible positionally. Um, sounds like Olsen's going to give him some freedom to kind of make play uh, make plays really all over the middle of the park. Uh, they have uh, Yamil Assad is back. He was once with D.C. United. Now he's back. Uh, they've got some solidity in the back line. Steve Birnbaum in central defense. Bill Hamid in goal. Just guys who are solid, who have been relied upon in years past. Uh, up front, Ola Kamara, who's, I think, like quietly has proven to be one of MLS's more consistent 
scorers. He's like a lock for mid-teens goal scoring. Um, in his four seasons, three of the four years, he's like 14, 16, 18 goals. And in the one year where he didn't, last year, he only played, what, like five games? So um, I don't know. I think they're just kind of solid all over the place. So if you're looking for a big drop-off because the big names are gone and Ariola's hurt, I don't know. I, I, I really still think they're a playoff team. So fear not, DC. You will still have, I believe, a fun season. Uh, for me, I'm going to give Chris Armas a break. But it's going to be someone else in the metro area I'm going to go in on. Ronnie Dahlia. Wait, for what? For Oh, sorry, I've jumped ahead. Jesus. <laughs> for which, co- <laughs> uh, which coach is starting the year on the hottest seat? I'm going to give Chris Armas a break. <laughs> Take two. And I'm going to go in on Ronnie Dahlia on this one, Andrew. Um, so say what you will about the feelings of supporters of NYCFC about you know the stadium and off-field issues. There was a sense of real optimism after last season. Uh, Domi Tarant leads the club to a franchise record 64 points. They topped the East. They got their CONCACAF Champions League berth. And then Domi is gone. And while never being universally loved, fans were happy with the team's trajectory continuing. That's the atmosphere into which Ronnie Dahlia enters. It's not going to be enough for Dahlia to maintain. He has to continue that progress, and that is going to be a massive challenge. Off to a good start. Correct. When he wasn't battling other players, you saw what he did on the sideline. Settle down, Ronnie. He kind of shoved an opposition player. They're through to the next round. That's what matters. Yes. Uh, on the plus side, he's got Haber, Mitrita, Maxi Morales. That's one of the league's most potent attacks. Um, can Dahlia keep that attack going while organising a defence which executed one of the great acts of self-sabotage in the playoff defeat to Toronto? We shall see. Be very clear, though. There are expectations in the Bronx. You know, they're not just waiting there around. should be. They're not just waiting around for their new stadium so they can start having a, a football team. I, I went back and I read a ton of Celtic blogs about Ronnie Dahlia's time at Glasgow Celtic where he was right. He said, there's nothing I could do. He won the league twice. But there was nothing I could do. He had a couple of cup defeats, that one in particular to Rangers, um, one to Inverness Cali, that kind of soured his time there. Yeah. Uh, but they did talk about um, sometimes the football was drab. I don't know if that's going to be acceptable. I think he's going to have to have winning football whatever way that looks at Yankee Stadium. All right. Uh, I'll go quick here. I went with Mark Dos Santos of uh, Vancouver. They were just so horribly, terribly bad last season, last in the West. Um, and yet he kept his job, which I think is fair. I, I sometimes don't like the idea of firing a manager after just one year in charge. I feel like that's like not enough time, really. Um, however, the team then underwent a complete teardown this offseason. According to MLS's website, they've got 15 new players coming in, 21 former players headed out. That is crazy turnover. Yeah, uh, It can go either way. Maybe it will click and maybe they'll be better. Or it might take time for that to gel. And I just wonder with how bad they were last year, um, if it looks like they're headed down that road again, will the front office give him time to right the ship? Or will they just say, you know what, this is a new team. Let's just get a new guy in here right now uh, and go in a different direction. So... Uh, he he would be somebody that uh, I have on my, my hottest seat coming into the year. Uh, all right, your top MVP candidates? Uh, the aforementioned Pavon, Carlos Vella, uh, Pozuelo, who I just love as a player at Toronto, and uh, Joseph Martinez will yeah. be there again. And um, maybe maybe another Atlanta player along with him. Yeah, we have all the same names. Uh, Vela and Martinez are my top two, but I wanted to, like what you just did, give a special mention to Pozuelo. Um 
I don't know. Just last year, I felt like it was unfathomable that anybody could fill Javinko's void, and I feel like he did a pretty admirable job. 12 yeah. goals, 12 assists in the regular season. Two more goals, three more assists in the postseason. That's damn good. Uh, all right, and last but not least, your title favorites. LAFC. Yep. And I think NYCFC. Oh, wow. Might be. After you talked all that smack. No, I'm just saying Dahlia has to come in and, and hit the ground running. Oh, okay. But um, But by the way, you know, he's got the tools there. He's been left with a good team. I agree. Mm. Um, yeah, LAFC, I, I, I'm with you. I think they're the, probably the class of the league. Um, and then I'm going to ride with Atlanta. Absolutely, I you still, should. I don't know. I still uh, I still look at them. I think Pity Martinez and, uh, I don't know, he took some time to get adjusted. And I think early returns of what we've seen so far in the CONCACAF Champions League, if that's a fair gauge, he looks really comfortable. Uh, and I think his partnership with Joseph Martinez is going to be really, really fun this year. Um, if I'm making my preseason pick to win the whole thing, I, I'm going with them. I'm going Atlanta. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. I think it's going to be a dogfight at the top of the of the uh, Eastern Conference between themselves and the uh, the boys from the Bronx. Yeah, like Miles Robinson. I know he's hurt right now, but he'll be back. Ezekiel Barco. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's like they've stockpiled a lot of great. good players. I yeah. really think they're going to be like. Barco's only 20. We'll talk about them in a minute, though. Oh, all right. So those were our 10 big questions. Um, I'm sure I can feel people's brains expanding with knowledge. We also have an MLS mailbag. Yes. You want to go through it quick? At CEO Soccer Pod. It was garnered from the Twitter. Uh, at Court Official, is there any feasible way to incentivize MLS owners to embrace promotion and relegation? Well, um, our friend Doug McIntyre, formerly of this parish, Asked Don Garber about if the if MLS goes to thirty teams, would there be a two tiered competition where you'd have promotion and relegation between the two tiers? No. Um, honestly, Mike, I don't know how they would sell that to the Robert Crafts and the the uh, other owners. I feel so bad for there's just so many American fans uh, who are clinging to this idea. That we can do it, like it's going to happen here. I don't know. Like, well, the first it's part not going to happen. The first part is, I believe it can be done. The second part is, the owners have not signed up for this revenue model. They literally, the ownership group here will literally never, never be okay with it. No, it will take a rival league doing this that for for to make it happen. It will take the USL doing it. Basically, um, I can't see MLS doing it ever. Uh, Joe Edward, how do you guys feel about the new MLS anthem? So I have it here. Um, it was composed by Hans Zimmer, yeah. who I'm a very big fan of. I actually saw him in concert. You did? Uh, I remember. It was amazing. It was a life experience. Changed me. Uh, here, here. Well, should I play it? Definitely. Here's the new MLS anthem. I guess you'll hear this like as the teams come out before games, or you'll probably just hear it all over the place.
I like it. I think it's pretty good. I think it's good. Honestly, I would have just gone with the music from The Rock. Like, I would have had the dun, teams dun, come out dun, to dun, it. Dun, 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 dun. Is that The Rock? Or no, that's... Oh, wait, I'm thinking of another Hans Zimmer. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> They're similar, sort of. They are, kind of. Yeah. Any of those Man's are good. a legend. He's a legend. Hans yeah. knows how to build the, the, the sense of anticipation, but also yeah. a sense of dread. Like, I kind of like it. Right. Uh, Jordan... Uh, I'd like to know what are realistic expectations of Inter-Miami. Kind of went through that. Yeah. With the Beckham backing, is this the start of a potential super club for MLS or does the league not really have the capacity, capability to allow such a club to exist? I don't know what a super club really means. I mean, I would have, I would have picked Atlanta to be that kind of model. Um, but I'm saying if, if, if Jordan is looking at like other recent additions to the league, I think it's fair to say that you can be a newcomer to this league and be immediately And go great. big quickly. Yeah. yeah. LAFC, Atlanta... Um, yeah, I would. I don't see it with them right now. One of the problems is they're in a temporary home. Um, there's a new stadium being built, a, a very modern stadium. Is well, we they hope is going to be built. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I look at the team. I think they're fine, but they. I mean, it's it's an MLS redo. There's so many veteran MLS players in it. Like it's. I think they'll be good this year. I, I said that before. I, I think they'll be a good team. Uh, Andrew Silverman, good question from Andrew. Fresh start for the Dynamo with an exciting coach. Will we see happy times in Houston again? Tab Ramos installed as the manager in Houston, which a lot of people will be very disappointed with because they they tipped him to get the top job in U.S. soccer, the U.S. men's national team job. He is highly regarded as a youth coach. Um, in in U.S. soccer circles and and abroad, actually, um, my issue is that professional coaching of a of a senior men's club is is a lot different, or can be a lot different to international coaching and coaching of youth players. And I just wonder how that's going to work out. That transition from working with youth players to working with seasoned pros—that would be my question. One of the most underrated attacking units in the league. Um, Definitely, and they added, like I mentioned before, they added Darwin Quintero. Probably got that. better. Yeah. Uh, only issue I saw Albert Elise is starting the year hurt, but it doesn't seem like it's any. I, I think I saw Tab Ramos refer to him almost as day to day. Not sure if he'll be ready for this weekend or not. Uh, but yeah, Elise Minotas, like these names that we're so used to seeing, um, they're all back. We know their chemistry, so I think I think they'll be good. I don't know if I look at them as being like a title contender, but I think they're a good team. At Airborne DJ, everyone underestimating Atlanta United, thinking they've lost too much. A Wait, couple, what? Yeah, nobody's doing that. A couple of great players replaced by five or six good and more versatile players. Plus, Rosetto will be a beast, and Pity looks so much more comfortable. PB and J is a is the best front three in MLS. Team already looks better than last year. Well, this guy's a huge Atlanta fan, anyways. So I mean, he's starting from that point of view. So I literally, he's without take, having read that, I literally just picked them to win the league. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know who these people are. They're no, I don't me. know. Who, I I really love to know who who, who underrates them. And um, my point about I think when questions are asked about Atlanta, it's not about the players; it's about the manager. Last season, they seemed to be much more, I don't know, conservative for large parts of the season than they were, certainly the beginning of the season, than they were in previous iterations under Tata Martino where they seemed to play with more of a ba- an abandon and they used to be able to blow teams away. They're going to be really good. I, I, I think they're going to be really good. Okay, but, but I think the only question... Yeah, I, I think they probably will be too. Yeah. My only question mark is Frank. That's it. Okay. Um, Owen Godberson. Who will have the better first season, Polito or Chicharito? I'm going to say Polito. I'm saying Chicharito. 
There you I have mean, it. Polito's younger. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> right. And uh, finally, Matthew Graham. Uh, how likely is it that Thierry Henry will take Montreal, Montreal to the playoffs this year? Pretty likely or very likely? <laughs> so is Matthew? I can't. What I can't tell is if he's a Montreal fan or if he's an Arsenal no, fan. No, he's not a he's not a Montreal fan. Okay. Um, no hope. <laughs> no chance. No, that's not true. I mean, it is the Oprah Winfrey of soccer. Of course, leagues. there's a chance you get in yeah. and you get in. There's a there is a chance they would not be. I don't. I'm not picking them. No, to make it. I don't think so. Yeah. And that is oh it. Oh my God! It begins this weekend. Uh, your games of note. Uh, as we do a very quick what to watch for Saturday, 8 o'clock p.m., Nashville and Atlanta United FC. That'll be fun. Uh, and then Miami's in action Sunday, 5.30 against LAFC. Uh, so, wow, like those two, the two expansion teams coming in, just being thrown right into the fire, having to face Atlanta and L.A. There you go. Have at it. Uh, quickly, Carabao Cup final is this weekend. A cup is going to be handed out. You've got to do the drop. You can't say Carabao without the drop. You just simply can't. All right, feel better? You don't have to feel the tweets. Uh, you didn't do the magic noise. Uh, you didn't do a Carabao noise. Everyone calm down. Sunday, 11.30 a.m., Aston Villa and Manchester City. This is um, really a chance for Villa to, like, validate a season, I guess. I mean, if they get relegated. Oh, getting back to Wembley is huge for a club of their size. That's what I'm it's saying. Like, this is a huge moment for them in a season that's been they stay not up, great. They stay up and put in a good performance or even, dare I say it, win the Carabao Cup. Could you imagine? Yeah, if they stay up and win a trophy this year, this would be Tremendous. A, a phenomenal season for them, for sure. I don't think they're going to win, though. I, I don't Manchester either. Manchester City are going to win. I mean, Manchester City, I know the... The uh, ownership bought Manchester City to be competitive in the Champions League, but ma- they've made the Carabao Cup their own. Oh yeah, so trophies wherever you can get them. Yeah, uh, and then last but not least, I don't have a ton to say about these games, but there is something I want to mention to you uh, quickly. These are your EPL games of the weekend: um, Saturday, 10 a.m., Bournemouth and Chelsea. Saturday at uh, 12:30, Watford and Liverpool. You guys had a close call. It was a close call. Very interesting game, and now Dave- the whole world knew Dave- though. Yeah, it was. They were getting back into it when they were down two one. When Liverpool was down two one, RJ, who I, I was in the room with, yeah. uh, he said, "Oh, like he kind of like perked up, and he's not even really a soccer fan." And I said to him, "RJ, there's more of a chance that Liverpool win this game five two than it is." And they, they nearly 2-1. did. I mean, <laughs> by the end, yeah. Like Fabianski let them back. I won't say yeah. let them back in. Yeah. Liverpool are more likely that they were they were still going to equalize, but Fabianski. Oh. Someone I forget who it was. Was it Jacob Steinberg? Somebody had a tweet that essentially said, "Boy, West Ham could really use the cool and calmness of Roberto right now." In that, <laughs> that's a shame. that is not fair. Uh, Sunday nine a.m. Everton and Manchester United, and also nine a.m. on Sunday Tottenham and Wolves. Uh, one thing with the EPL that I wanted to mention: the Jorge to you, Mendes derby. I wanted to mention to you. Uh, that the Premier League, they've announced that there's going to be a, Hall of a Fame. Premier League Hall of Fame, which to know you and to know me, um, without having spoken to you about this beforehand, uh, I'm guessing people would guess that I would love this and that you would hate it. Uh, I, I don't, I, I, my only issue with this is that, again, it just solidifies the idea that English football started in 1992. So there is an, there is a, a football hall of fame currently that right. has existed since 2002. Right. Why can't we amplify that? Because clearly no one even cares or knows that it's a thing. This we now know. Because it's the Premier League exactly. and it will, will have it the 
branding on it and everything. I love it. I think it's great. I think it's a fun way to honor. Who's your first two entrants? Go. So I think um, Alan Shearer. I think Sir Alex Ferguson has to be uh, the first one in. Ferger, now Fergie and Shearer. I think that will be the two because they're, they're the first two are going in in March, uh, and I think if those are the two, I would be I'd be good with that. I think Sir Alex, though, for me, he. He has to be a part of the initial class, or I almost feel like, well, this they, they wouldn't it. be my picks. Um, well, okay, Gerard, no, nope. uh, um, and Carragher, uh, who Kevin Keegan <laughs> and just... uh, Andrea Zelensky. All right, so you've decided <laughs> to take this seriously. No, um, no, it's, it's, I just think that the debate that it will cause will be fun, like. Because it's based on what guys do in the Premier League as to whether or not they get in. So that raises questions about someone like, you know, like, did Luis Suarez spend enough time in the Premier League for one day yeah, he to his, be considered? Was his impact I don't enough? Know. Be interesting. And it will be a, a, the debate will be had. Yeah. And it will be fun. No, I'm, I'm, I don't hit it. All right. I, I saw it and right away I was like, JJ is not going to like this. Real Madrid, Barcelona at the weekend as well. Yeah. I'd just like to read a quick passage from Marca. Juan Ignacio Garcia Ochoa. As happened one year ago, Real Madrid are entering the month of March with a sea of doubts. And I just tried to imagine a sea of doubts. It's quite scary. Um, this has made Sunday's Clasico against Barcelona an all-or-nothing affair for a team that was flying after beating Atletico Madrid in the derby on February 1st. And, um, yeah... The defeat against Manchester City at the Estadio Santiago Bernabeu in the first leg of their last 16 in the Champions League left Los Blancos on the precipice while they have seen themselves lose top spot in La Liga after a draw at home to Celta Viga and a loss away at Levante. Barcelona up two points right now hmm. in the league. Make or break, apparently. Huge game. It yeah. really is. Uh, we should also say in Italy, uh, Juve and Inter play this weekend in another game with ma- uh, major title implications. Yeah, and that- I believe that one's being played in an empty building. Because of uh, coronavirus fears, which have kind of really been like wreaking havoc on Italy. It's, uh, it's very scary. It really is. It really is. Yeah. Did you listen to the Daily today? I did. And uh, <laughs> yeah, people should go and listen to the, the New York Times, the Daily on the coronavirus. Unless you want to live in blissful ignorance. No, it's because knowledge is power. <laughs> All right. That's true. But yeah, it was. We never promote ignorance on this podcast. <laughs> um, oh. There we go. <laughs> uh, How do quickly, you finish it? By the quickly way, now uh, well, hold on, hold on. All right, I have to do something. No, <laughs> you can't say that. Sorry, sorry, it's you fine. Can't say it, no. It's fine. I'm joking. It's good. This is important. This is how bills get paid. This is how people get paid. All right, JJ. The best teams start with great talent, but finding the right people can be a challenge. These are moments where I question if you are the right people. Uh, let's see. It can be hard to fill critical roles in sports, building you know a high-performing team, all the things that are involved in Inter the whole Miami process. With it. But here's the deal. When it comes to hiring for your business, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right candidates for your team and fast, from healthcare to manufacturing to business services and more. And now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 top job sites, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates and focus on the best ones. ZipRecruiter is so uh, so effective 
In fact, that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, to try ZipRecruiter for free, our listeners can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. O-F-F-S-I-D-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash offside. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. There we, you have it. What were you about to say before? We uh, should mention uh, Giuseppe Rossi rocking in at Rail Salt Lake. Yeah, great way by Rail Salt Lake to make the announcement too, like with kind of like a TikTok video. Are you like? I feel nothing has made me age quicker than, than TikTok. TikTok and the understanding that I don't know what's going on oh, around it's me. Another video based uh, platform. Do you have to be dancing? Is that part of it? Alfonso Davies is apparently like the master of TikTok. I've seen some of his videos; they're very good. Yeah. I feel like, should we be on the cutting edge of this, or should we just kind of like... Do we get a TikTok account? I prefer just ritually humiliating you. I feel like maybe we just give up on the whole Twitter thing, and let's just find the next thing and be on the the front end of that, rather than the back end of one of these aging technologies. Well, your uh, our Instagram is pretty much just pictures of you with new haircuts. I've been working tirelessly on our MySpace account. <laughs> it's thriving. <laughs> Um, this oh, was man. fun, man. The, the busyness of the sport truly ratchets up this weekend. Like I said, a busy Premier League slate. MLS is back. Title implications in both Italy and in Spain. And, oh, by the way, a trophy being handed out in England. This is one of those weekends. I hope you enjoy our seven-hour-long podcast. Yep. Sure is. To you, I say... Take you later, fun boy. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 